What's up, listeners? It's Andrea. Today, we love salt and pepper men. Sharice explains the science of reading body language, and we ask the question, why are we still traumatized by encounter at Farpoint? Come nerd out with us. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. Hey, I'm your host, Andrea. Today, we're breaking down Season 7, Episode 3, Interface. This episode was written by Joe Minoski and directed by Robert Weimer. LaForge uses a virtual reality probe to explore a wrecked ship inside a gas giant. Already, it's such a cool concept. Like, yeah, VR and you're wrecked in the atmosphere of a gas giant. That's so cool. But he's preoccupied with the disappearance of his mother's ship. Jordy defies Picard's commands and risks his life in what appears to be a futile attempt to rescue his mom. Oh, yeah, which is really sad and sweet. Really sad and sweet. And also, it's like, wouldn't you do the same? Like, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah Orders, yeah. shorters. Like, yeah. I think my mom is dying and needs my help. Like, <laughs> court martial me later. Like, I got to go. Right, exactly. That, like, if she's cool, if she's fine in the end, court martial me all day long, right? All day and long. I, it doesn't matter. And I think that's why, uh, you know, just one of the many reasons why I don't belong in the military. <laughs> yes. <laughs> one of the many. One to add to a very long list of reasons why that is not <laughs> my career of choice. That would not mm-hmm. keep anyone in this country safe. So let's all be thankful for that. So my initial thoughts <laughs> about this episode was, oh man, is this the one about Jordy's mom? <laughs> it was just like, oh, here we go. Because I didn't, I, this is one of the episodes I often skip because I remember not liking it. Mm-hmm. And um, and so my only other initial thought was, well, at least we get it out of the way early in the season. It's only the third episode. And the first episode doesn't even count because it was a continuation of last season's storyline. Yeah. Yeah. It's really like the second episode. So that was that was my initial thoughts. I had no recollection of, anything about this other than Mm -hmm. something was on fire that's it i didn't remember this cool like probe thing i didn't remember that at all what about you what were your initial thoughts going into this episode it was kind of the same as yours it was like this is the one where jordy's mom goes missing but it's like not really her and jordy's acting all crazy and i don't want to watch this one that was kind (laughs) of my initial sort of take on it um now that you say it though it is only the third episode in season seven and like really it's only the second because descent part two was a wrap-up of you know season six but thinking back like all of the early season like all of the early episodes of the new seasons like always kind of struggled you know what i i actually don't think that's true i think really i no i don't think that's always true now we did have family after like the and that that was trash but we also had um, I think ship in a bottle or or not ship in a bottle. Elementary their data was like oh, our yeah, you're second right. that was episode, second or third episode of season two. Yeah, you're I think right. it was like, and then we have the child. I think which I actually like that episode, even though it's got some problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like a compelling story. Mm-hmm. I don't think they've always been. I don't think they've always struggled. I think they've maybe half the time struggled, and mm-hmm. half the time actually been okay. good or decent. So to me, I guess no I'm just reason with that. I guess I'm just really burned by Encounter at Farpoint. <laughs> <laughs> which is the pilot episode however i will say this You're still burned by that girl we're on season seven <laughs> i know but it's just it's a really fucking bad episode however i will say this i was reading i think i was on reddit um where someone was talking about they had grown up watching tos and they were just now getting to tng and they were like i'm gonna i'm gonna watch every single episode from the beginning to the end mm-hmm. and i was like wow that's really cool mm-hmm. um and they were like you know what can compared to the original series encounter at farpoint is vastly stronger than almost 
any TOS episode. Do you believe that though? Now you've seen some TOS. I've seen some TOS, but not all. But would you agree with that statement? You know what? I will say, the pi- I think it's hilarious in season seven, we're talking about the pilot episode again, but the pilot episode has a lot of work to do in any show. It has to right, of course, yeah, the characters, the mission, a new ship, a new everything, right? And I think to that effect, it was a two-parter, so it's two hours instead of one, but it did a pretty good job. The storyline itself, like, I think what made it kind of stupid was the moon jelly. So it's like mm-hmm. you take away that dumb special effect and you take away Troy being so thirsty and useless and, and bimbo-y. <laughs> and then like you actually have like an okay episode. Like the writing was a little funky. You know what? You're right. You're right. Now that you've said that, I'm like the thought of Q putting humanity on trial mm-hmm. is interesting. Mm-hmm. The thought of a being that can hold you in a space net, that's freaking cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Even the idea of Troy being, you know, recognizing sentient life form that life a life form on the planet that can like materialize anything your heart desires is really cool i think you it's know just what, the string yeah. together or i don't know what knocked it off kilter for me and yeah. made it unenjoyable but you're right there's a lot of really really interesting ideas going on in that yes episode. a ton and I, and i would even go so far as to say if we took the pilot episode and reworked it and shot it in like season five or six or seven it would be a really dope episode it mm. would if yeah, we didn't have to, because, uh, if we didn't have to introduce every single character and like all the backstory, we, yeah, you had to learn like fifty new faces and a new ship and a new aesthetic and a new mission and also the B plot with the humanity being on trial. Like maybe if you take that part away and then just go to a planet who's got this kind of like suspicious type of outpost that, like mm-hmm. you know, a sentient being is like held against its will and and being worked as a slave. It's like. Yeah, that would totally work as like a season seven episode hmm. and wouldn't have so many kinks. But anyway, yeah, girl, I, we're over here talking about this. Yeah, I don't know what we were. <laughs> I don't know what we were talking about originally, but um, <laughs> in any case, welcome to season seven. Yeah, and um, so your initial your initial thoughts were similar to mine. Yeah, it was just like I don't want to watch. I I remember not loving this episode. I remember not liking it at all, and so I've always skipped it. So it was, I was really dragging my feet watching this one, like to get to it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so, you know, here we go. <laughs> the episode the episode <laughs> kicks off right in the middle of some kind of emergency. Jordy yes. is climbing a ladder into like what looks like a Jeffrey's tube, but I'm like, "Whoa, first of all, he's not wearing a visor." His and eyes are normal. He doesn't so have like, really cool contacts. So you're like, "What is going on?" Is yeah, this a he's dream? got like he's got like normal eyes, you know, like which looks like, bizarre to me. Looks totally looks bizarre. Okay. And Mark Burton is a is a gorgeous human being. He is. But seeing him in this role in this uniform in a freaking Jeffrey's tube with normal people eyes was bizarre. It. I thought the same thing. I had a hard time wrapping my head around it. And I also was like seeing him without the vibes that are blocking his eyes. I was like, damn, he is so smoking hot. Mm-hmm. But like with the visor, you know, like they say the eyes are the window to the soul. I'm like, it, it misses that for me. Right. Mm-hmm. So seeing him without the visor and having like his actual, the LeVar Burton's actual eyes, I was like, Damn, LeVar, you were a stone-cold fox. And guess what? He still is. He still has. Even more so, because now he's got a little salt and pepper thing going uh, on. It's very James Bond. like a fine <laughs> wine. LeVar Burton is an absolute silver fox. And I am here for that. Like, thirst posts and all that. I was like, oh my God, this man is so freaking gorgeous. But yeah, no, the, the salt and pepper... I'm going to... I'm just going to... I'm just going to kind of blanket speak here for women. Men who are listening... And, and like grieve the loss of your youth and you're getting salt and peppery. We love that shit. We 
cannot get enough of that. <laughs> it is so sexy. Like women in general, I've noticed, like really love that. So, you know, maybe lean into it if you're feeling a little like, oh, I've like lost my youth and all that. Like, okay, yeah, we all, we all sort of have. But if you got the salt and pepper, rock it. <laughs> well, anywho, Jordy's climbing through this uh, Jeffrey's tube. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like, why Why are his eyes normal? And we still, we just don't have an answer to that. Because we, now- we no answer. Now there's like smoke in the Jeffrey's tube and you're like, oh, and something's on fire. Yeah. You know, and you hear Riker on? on the comm being like, Jordy, have you been able to isolate it and shut it down? And you're like, what the? F-? Okay. This, my first thought was some kind of training simulation in the mm. holodeck, but even still like Jordy doesn't ever feel like his blindness is an actual handicap for him. Right. He's like, no, no, I have even better vision than others who can see so even in the holodeck even as like watson he still mm-hmm. kept the visor on so i was like what's up with this visor okay yeah, my first thought was dream sequence but when the comms mm. start kicking in you're like huh like yeah. why would they be speaking to him and giving him directions on the comms and his dream dreams are usually more ephemeral and odd mm-hmm. this seems very much like a day in the life so lots of question marks here and then he says yeah something's hot it's over two thousand degrees and i was like two thousand degrees yeah stop right there yep Something is up. What I wrote in my notes, what is happening with like a lot of A's? <laughs> I was like, what the heck is happening? We very quickly get an answer. Cut to Beverly and Data's lab. Jordy is wearing one of the coolest and more easily replicable outfits. It's like an all black onesie, mm-hmm. which I guess if you were to cosplay it, it'd be like yoga pants and just a fitted black, like long sleeve shirt. Mm-hmm. And he's wearing like he's like it's covered in like black and red and yellow and blue and green mm-hmm. wiring running all over and i was like oh he's it's, in like a vr setup it's very cool it looks like a motion capture suit so it's very yes. much like a mocap suit but not green or yes. not like not with any i don't even think it had any green um but it looked so cool and this is long before those suits were a thing thank you thank you like that was long before i mean i didn't look up the dates but I'm pretty sure it was it was a hot minute. But he's not wearing those yeah. for, for motion capture. He's wearing them to have more sensory experiences yes. in this VR reality. So then you're like, wait, so is it real or is it not real? Because yes. why does he need to feel it? And why what's yes. hot and what's going on again? So it turns out that it's it's called the interface for the most part over the episode. And they're like, oh, this interface is a probe that is testing out some stuff. And the interface probe connects straight into Jordy's visor so he can see, hear, feel, smell everything as though he were really there. Yeah, um, it, it connects into the same spots that his visor connects into. So yeah. it goes like straight to his brain. Yeah, but it actually looks like he's got sort of like a quasi-visor on, but instead of going from one temple to the other in front of his face, it goes from yeah. one temple to the other behind his face. Right. Which I was like, it's that's, still connecting that's to cool. that, to those little points, which is <clears> kind of yeah. like... I don't know. It's very cool. And it's also like, I don't want anything that you can connect to my brain so easily with. (laughs) I want it to be a little more effort. But they're basically just taking advantage of the fact that he already has this technology built into his body. He is specifically suited for this role. Now, anyone could do this. Anyone could have this whole interface um, reworked for them. They wouldn't need to Mm -hmm. have anything inserted in their bodies. But because Mm -hmm. of his unique situation, he's best suited for it on the whole ship because he knows how to interface with something without seeing it very easily where everybody yeah. else might be a little bit harder and it is so cool so it's a probe but he can use the parts of the probe like it's his fingers and i know and stuff 
It's like, it reminds me a lot of those like deep sea um, submersibles where they have like the claw arm that can like pick stuff Mm -hmm. up and stuff where it's very much like that. So it has like a glitch or two in it, but otherwise it's like nearly perfect. One moment I love is when Jordy goes into main engineering, like in this interface and he looks into the panel and sees his reflection but instead of seeing Jordy, you just see a probe in the mm-hmm. reflection and i was like wow that's such a fun little like that was a trippy, nice touch. trippy little touch and i loved it so here's kind of what's actually happening this science vessel the raman is trapped in the atmosphere of a gas giant it was supposed to descend to the surface but maybe shields failed or something but it is trapped in the upper atmosphere and Jordy says the turbulence from the atmosphere is blocking our sensors. And I was like, well, imagine that. <laughs> like, imagine the you sensors. Know, you know <sighs> what, I, what I wrote in my notes in all capitals was where has this probe been during all of their dangerous AF missions? Yes. Like, and where does it go? Because just like all the other technology, including those amazing heat shields that we forgot <laughs> where they came from two episodes later, <laughs> we never hear about this thing again. This probe, you know, you can't even have this probe in any other episodes because it yeah. solves all the problems, especially this whole EM radiation, blah, blah, yeah, blah. All that it crap. solves all of this. You just send yes. this probe to the planet. You send it to random space stations that have gone dark. You send it into ships that are no longer responding. Like, you know, police, this police solves all have the things. Police have things like this when they have like the bomb detonation robots yeah. that they send mm-hmm. in. It's like, this is what this is what you need. Exactly. Where the heck has this thing been? Where has this been? <laughs> and where does it go? I know. Where does it go after this? I know. I'm still I'm still trying to figure out getting an exocomp for like a projector. I mean, I'll I'll get to that in a minute. Now, it turns out there's seven people who are on board that ship and they're like, we don't know if they're alive or dead. There's a lot of interference. We can't get a read. So they're making plans to rescue the seven people on the Raman. And Starfleet Command calls Picard. So he takes in the ready room. And this admiral comes on and they're kind of shooting the breeze for a minute. And they're like, oh, when's the last time I saw you at the company softball game, whatever. And this admiral (laughs) was like, nine days ago, the Hera left on a routine courier mission. It's gone. It's gone dark. We can't find it. We've retraced their steps. They've been missing for over 72 hours. And Picard says, really? Okay, I'll inform Commander LaForge. And I was like, "Uh oh, like we got no answers, though, during that conversation. So this ship has been missing. And he says, four days ago, the ship went missing. We've been searching for it for three days. So like one day into the missing, they -hmm. started looking for it. It's already been three days. And he said, and we're going to continue searching for another three days, which I think is like three days more than more missing. Most missing people probably get. So he's like, we're doing another three days, but that's just like doing our due diligence. We don't actually expect to find anything. In the next three days. So we have so basically now it's the countdown. It's the last three days that we're gonna be searching, and then we're just gonna call it off. And you're like, wow, this is horrible. And then when Picard's yeah. like, I'll go and inform Lieutenant LaForge, you're like, uh oh, wait a minute. This is actually really, really, really bad. Yeah, yeah. And so Picard does come to the lab to speak to Jordy, and it turns out that Jordy's mom is the captain of the Hera. So poor Jordy. It cuts to commercial, and when we come back from commercial. I think it's very sweet and very, very healthy. Jordy goes to his quarters and comforts himself by watching an old video message from his mom. And I think it's really cute. Like she was trying to set him up with this new engineer who is very much like Jordy aboard the Hero. And she keeps like tweaking the engines and doing all these modifications. And it's kind of right up, 
Jordy's alley and she's like, well, you know, you know, we're going to be nearby you in like a couple of weeks. Like I should introduce you to it's really adorable. <laughs> it's really, really sweet. And Riker comes in to see Jordy. And I'm like, man, where has your mom been all this time? Because you could have used her help. <laughs> I Seriously. Seems seriously. Like she seems like she has a good head on her shoulders and knows somebody who would be good for you because you yeah. need some, some additional support in this area because the girls yeah. you pick are just not available. They're just not. Yeah, and you're not you're not doing a super swell job with them, but okay. Um, Riker comes to see Jordy, and he he offer he offers to give Jordy a few days off to process this news. And Riker is like, "I'll run the interface, even if it's not a perfect fit. It can still mm-hmm. work, so you can have some personal leave time, and we can still search for these potential survivors on the Ramon." And Jordy, this is. I don't expect anything less from Jordy. He's an engineer. He's a doer and a fixer. So when he's in grief, he's like, no, I'm the only person for this job. Let's go right now. I mean, he also says to Riker, which I think is fair. He said, as far as I'm concerned, her ship is just missing. Like no one has declared her dead. She's just missing. So as far as I know, she went on some, you know, this part's a little bit delusional, but she's like, she took them on some kind of trip or whatever. Yeah. That probably didn't happen. But her, but his point is a wild hope. But his point is that, yeah, she's, as far as I know, she's only missing at this point. And there's nothing more devastating than that, which I think is fair because how many times have crew members or ships or the whole enterprise gone missing for a couple days because they got into some stuff with the Ferengi or they got kidnapped by some alien species or whatever. Who knows? Yeah. So I think, I thought that was actually fair for him to be like, yeah, I, I'm just thinking that she's missing and missing is not the level of grief where I need to like stop working because she could be found any moment. Now, of course, he probably doesn't know that in three days they're going to stop looking, which yeah. is a whole different situation. But at this moment, I think it is best for him to keep working mm-hmm. under the circumstances. If, yeah. if they had known that she had was gone and then he's still working, then I'd be like, no, homie, you just go need to go see Troy. But right now I, I see that yes. he needs to do something to stay busy and there is no guarantee that his mom is anything more than missing. Mm-hmm. And the Enterprise has had their own fair share of misadventures. So like, it could just be something like that. You know, surely the Enterprise isn't the only ship in the entire fleet that's had like crazy adventures, right? Mm-hmm. So he he plugs in with the interface and he goes aboard the Romana in the, you know, in the probe. And the Romana is a mess. There must be a whole breach somewhere. He heads toward the bridge. He's found someone who's trapped under some rubble and he doesn't have enough power to lift the beam off of the person who's laying on the in the hallway and so he's like you know ramp up ramp up the like interface to like 80 percent or 90 percent because they're like yeah, we don't want to go too high because you can go into neural shock because mm-hmm. it's directly re- connected to your brain so this is the first time that i've ever seen and that i can recall a sci-fi that writes about the dangers of interfaces like this where like you know there's lots of stories where like if you die in the program you die in real life like Mm -hmm. in the matrix Mm -hmm. or like ready player two and stuff Mm -hmm. like that but this was like way in like 93 or 94 Mm -hmm. so i'm like dang this is very early on like if the probe is not if the probe is destroyed but like if we juice it up too much and connect it too strongly to you to give you Mm -hmm. more and more sensation and strengthen all this other crap like you can you can die you can go into neural shock and die and i was like ooh, yeah this technology this technology is like the coolest thing ever he is um, he goes to hold the beam and he can't hold it because he's not strong enough and he says data boost the confinement beam on the um the tractor beam Mm -hmm. so they increase the strength of the tractor beam which the tractor beam is his hands. So yeah. we see them as his hands, but in reality, it's really the probe mm-hmm. shooting out tractor beams, picking up things. Mm-hmm. That to me was such a really cool 
just little touch to be like, hey, don't forget, this is still, this isn't Jordy. This is actually a probe. But the probe yeah. just happens to look exactly like Jordy. But dropping yeah. in those little things makes us go like, oh, that's why he can lift a super heavy beam. Oh, that's why he can open a door like that. And then later on, he actually shoots like a laser beam out of his hand. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. I know, like, I know. That, it's I, the coolest. I, I love this blend of technology and humanity. Mm-hmm. And you're right. They do talk about the dangers in a very reasonable way if you're using any kind of new technology. Like, be careful, it could be dangerous. Yes. And, and that comes into play later. So they're not just saying it to say it. Like, that's part of the storyline, which is mm-hmm. very, it's very slick. I have to say this week's episode, even though not my favorite episode in the history of episodes is so much better than last week's because mm-hmm. there is one story <laughs> there's exactly yes, one it's story just one story yeah we all know what's going on and even little details like we're gonna if you boost the game too much it could hurt your brain is vital to the rest of the story it's yes. not just a thing it's not just eating a plate of dessert it's, because it's, it's the, fun it's the opposite of a MacGuffin. it's Chekhov's gun it's like they're introducing you this idea so that now it's vital to the rest of the story because we yeah. know if we increase that confinement too high or whatever you know the trek term for it is it's like jordy's brain is going to get zapped mm-hmm. and he's going to die right right now it doesn't totally connect with me in certain respects where i'm like why can't we just boost the tractor beam on the probe without like boosting so jordy's two interface it was two things one thing was boosting the the tractor beam so he could lift the mm-hmm. thing but the second thing was boosting the interface for his sensation when he first got on the ship like everything was gray and black. gray and fuzzy it so was he, black and white had, and fuzzy so they had to improve it so he could see more clearly and then everything mm-hmm. had color they have to improve it so he can feel with his hands and everything else but um there's the em interference or the ionic interference or whatever yeah, they call it in this yeah. episode and that's like cutting the signal between him and the probe so that's why they have to keep boosting it that's so he doesn't why. lose his signal. So when the ship moves deeper into the planet's atmosphere later on in the episode, they mm-hmm. have to boost it even higher because he's losing his his connection. Yeah, that, his okay, so that, makes, low. Mm-hmm. that makes more of a sense, uh, more sense. So yeah, it's super cool to see Jordy have a like go-go gadget phaser hand. So and he, cool. So one of my favorite shots ever, he blasts the door open to this like little area where survivors most likely would have gone if there was a hole breach and they're all dead and it's awful. Mm-hmm. And a fire starts behind Jordy and he turns around and starts screaming and Beverly has data immediately disconnect the interface suit and Jordy's hands are really badly burned. And we're like, oh no, see, this is sort of introducing that like too much of what happens this... in the matrix stays in the stays in the real world too yeah yeah it does yeah if you die in the matrix you die in the real world so in sick bay beverly explains that there must have been some sort of energy discharge in the suit you know we need to run this again though to retrieve the ship and the bodies along with the information they were trying to collect once um, again do we need the information probably do not. we can't we just like download hey it? we've got this super nifty probe how about we just like scoop up a little of the gas and take it on back to the enterprise yeah we didn't boom. need to put that whole problem ship down there solved problem <laughs> solved right but it would now, be nice to get the bodies i think that that would be like the most respectful thing to do for their families but yeah. the data i just again was like mm, i'll yeah. buy that yeah do we need all that besides at the rate of like technology in this day and age, things go fast enough as it is. Like my phone that was new two years ago is totally obsolete now, which I freaking hate because it's like such a scam to make you buy more. <laughs> but in 23 something, yeah, that information is going to become public domain in like 36 hours. So we could just hold off and wait and not risk anybody else's lives. But in the meantime, Jordy's like, well, okay, I-, I have some stuff I need to do. So you see him talking to his dad, who I thought was interesting, had a blue uniform on. Mom was a captain. She had a red uniform on. And Jordy's got the yellow of, like, ops and engineering. And I was like, wow, your family has, like, one of every color. <laughs> like, you guys are all so deeply embedded in Starfleet. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. 
dad wants to have a funeral, but Jordy's like, whoa, whoa, slow your roll. Like she's not, she's not dead. She's missing. Mm-hmm. And dad's like, I think mom is dead, especially since Starfleet has basically listed the Hera as like missing, presumed, yeah. lost. Yeah. And they've got like two days maybe more of searching and that's that's it you know and Jordy I totally get that like I would absolutely feel the same he's like you think what you want I'm not jumping to any conclusions yet I gotta go you know mm-hmm. um this and is I was such like, a tough situation uh, right because dad dad's like you know me and your sister are gonna have a the the, the funeral is gonna service, be on Vulcan yeah. because most of the people on the ship on the hair were Vulcan but we're going to have – so, therefore, we're going to have a separate service just for us, you know, just mm-hmm. to to honor your mom's memory. And Jordy kind of flew off the handle, and I just wrote in my notes, so I'm guessing he won't be at the service, right? And what's going to happen is guessing that he's, he's like, mom's fine, mom's fine, and he's not going to be at the service because he can't accept that she's dead. But yeah. then they're going to have a service that's just going to be dad and sister, and Jordy's not going to be there. And then later on, Jordy's going to be like – I wish I would have gone to that to be with you guys. You know, it's just like a missed. This, yeah. this is a really hard thing with stuff like with grief of loved ones because everyone handles it differently. And it's a time where people can come together mm-hmm. and comfort one another. And yeah. it's a time where people can split apart because they're so they're feeling so many big emotions. They're so volatile that they yes. just cannot be with others. And it's just really it's really sad because their family's already pretty small and just got smaller. Yeah. So, yeah. And that is that is really hard. Um there is a term that I've learned in recent years. It's called ambiguous grief. And it's usually um, if someone is either missing, presumed dead or missing in action, or um, I had a, I had a loved one like sort of lose their mental facilities and sort of became a different person that we now cannot have the same relationship we used to have. And it's, it's been a huge amount of grief because there's a part of it that feels like a death with something mm-hmm. like this. And especially like with Jordy's mom, it's like, I don't want to give out hope because that feels like it feels almost like you're letting go of them too fast. It's almost like yeah. a test of your love. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not losing hope now. You know what it's I mean? It's like you're but abandoning like, them. You're doing something bad to them by, t- it's like that. Yeah. It's like that movie Castaway, right? I don't remember how long Tom Hanks was on that Island, but I know it was years and how many years before you declare somebody as officially dead, like Mm -hmm. probably not seven or however many years he was gone. Yeah. So of course, when he comes back, spoiler, if you haven't seen this movie, maybe stop listening now. It's been forever. It's been like 37 years since that movie came out. Um, (laughs) But but like when he comes back, like, of course, everyone he loves has moved on Mm -hmm. and you have to, you, you can't hold on for seven years and not know and not move your life forward and just keep waiting because you will drive yourself crazy with that but this hasn't been seven years this has been like three days and he just mm-hmm. found out about this morning so yeah. it's like so it's like he's not ready yet to, he's to not be ready like, well, he's not she's ready gone. yeah nope. and so, when's he gonna be ready not today not right not, now not i in don't the next know three but days. no not anytime soon yeah that that term ambiguous grief was really really helpful for me in my own process because it's like the person that you're grieving may still be alive right but they're gone to you you know what i mean mm-hmm. and the chances that they ever come back is like almost zero so it's like okay you have to and so it becomes very very difficult like it's really tough yeah yeah i almost think in certain respects i almost think that an actual death is easier to process right because there's because it's clear Mm -hmm. yeah it's clear it's like you're gone there's absolutely no coming back the end whereas missing is like how long do you hold out that grief for it's it's very very tough and that actually happens later on in the episode Riker has the same conversation with Mm jordy that we're having now yeah maybe we can just like 
do do that part now is that he has that conversation where Riker's yeah. mom passed away when she when he was like two. Mm-hmm. Um, but somehow he remembers everything. Or I don't know how. Um, and he basically tells a story similarly where he was like, I couldn't let go of my mom either. My dad had to talk with my teacher and they both set me down to convince me that she was gone. And I had to yeah. admit that my mom had died. And like, he's trying to have a really sweet moment and be really empathetic. And um, I would have reacted exactly the way Jordy did. He was like, that was your mom. My mom's totally different. Like your mom was dead. My you mom is body. missing. Yeah. yeah. You had a body. You had a funeral. Like the body was there. You knew mm-hmm. everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. This is different. Mm-hmm. My mom is missing. No one knows where she is. And that is a totally different, like you know, losing a loved one versus a loved one being missing is not the same. They're both horrible. And I would want horrible. neither. No, but I think you're right. Having someone who actually like there is a body gives mm-hmm. you closure that you don't you have can ha- you can have cl- yes missing. it's it's we learn at a pretty early age like what death is and that it's irreversible right mm-hmm. so learning to process the, the death you know i will say this my dad died when i was a teenager um and he got sick and died very quickly but it was easier for me to process that it's like he got sick he died and there's no coming back and now you just have memories but having this missing thing or this, you're not the person you used to be and like you may never return to that. It's like, at what point do you stop hoping? Mm. And the answer is not clear. Yes. And there are days that I still hope. And there are days most of the time now I'm like, okay, that's, it's just, you yeah. gotta, and we you know have that, to say goodbye to that person. And, right. you know, yeah. Right. And in this case, it's been 72 hours. So it's like, yeah. so in the, yeah, what are the like, odds that he's going to let go? Um, Slim to none. And do we blame slim him? to none. No. no, no. But he does, he does go to see a friend, which I was like, maybe it wasn't the best choice of friend, <laughs> but he goes to see David. But it's his best friend. It's so it his sense. best friend. Yeah. Is and he going to go see Worf? No. <laughs> no, hell no. He probably should go see Troy, but he's not going to do that. But he's not going to do that. Exactly. No, he, he no. Should, yeah. He goes to see Data, who who's being a little strange. Like, Data's got, like, a <laughs> blank laptop screen, and he's staring at himself. And I thought, oh, is this a callback to, like, trying to look at your reflection? Kind of like the VR thing? Oh, okay. But, but that's what I initially thought. But I was like, oh, Data's actually talking about poetry. And he's like, there is, like, a race of people who experience their life through like poetry they share their experiences with poetry but their poetry has this like built-in moments of quiet emptiness where mm-hmm. you can fully experience the emptiness because that's part of sort of the human experience and that's part of the beauty of the poems yeah the beauty of the poem is the is the pauses and in this particular alien species i didn't catch your name but like their pauses can go on for like three to four days mm-hmm. and, and this it, particular poem is in a 47 minute pause of yes. emptiness when Jordy walks walks in. Yeah. I could yeah. not. First of all, <laughs> so many things about this poetry don't work for me. Um, 47 <laughs> minutes of emptiness, hard pass. I'm not going to be enjoying the poetry of this particular people group at all. But it's perfect for Data because this is more of his exploration of just senses and consciousness and mindfulness mm-hmm. and all the things. Mm-hmm. So Jordy's I do like, actually, I actually like the, I like the pauses. Maybe not 47 minutes and definitely not three to four days. <laughs> I'll give you that. There's a power in the pause. In this particular case, I would pass on it. But but that was the point Data was making. There is a power in that. So Jordy's like, oh, okay, cool. Uh-huh. You know, and Data's like, do you need to talk about your mother and your mother's death? And he's like, no, of course I don't. <laughs> Jordy's just kind of like, absolutely not. Why would you even think that? And Data's like, okay, cool. Back to what I was doing. Well, Jordy was like, well, because you said you were just passing by, but your quarters are not anywhere near mine. And Jordy goes, sometimes just passing by means I'm just passing by. And I was like, oh, Jordy. Do you really believe that, honey? And, and, Data and Data's, like, Data's okay. like, cool, sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> but he's and then so- he goes, you're welcome to stare at the empty screen with me for a minute. <laughs> and then Jordy does. 
Like it's just very four it, seconds. Yeah. This is just a really sweet moment. I love this. I love this. This is my favorite bromance. I absolutely love the friendship yeah. between um Data and Jordy. And this is just one of those moments where I'm just like drinking it all in, right? Because he's like, okay, yeah. cool. I'll enjoy the I'll enjoy the emptiness with you. And I think that was just a perfect um a perfect parallel to what he's feeling right now and what's going mm-hmm. on with him with all this turmoil and chaos and emptiness, like losing a loved one does leave a big empty spot. So I thought even their choice of poetry and how Data's experiencing it matches perfectly with what Jordy's going through. So I love that that little piece. And anyways, um, Jordy finally kind of breaks down and says, hey, Data, I think you gave up too soon. And Data's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, Remember when I said like two seconds ago um, that just passing by sometimes just means I was just passing by? Uh, Well, that's not what it meant. (laughs) Yeah. So everything you just said that you guessed and surmised about me was actually correct. So you should probably push me a little harder. You just see Data kind of like looking and kind of looking puzzled throughout this whole interaction because he's like, I know I'm not saying the right thing, but I have no idea what the right thing is. <laughs> yeah. Which is what we all feel in times when we're trying to comfort a friend or love totally. in grief. It's the totally. same feeling. We just don't, we just don't have the I, you know, the language or the body language to show like, yeah, I don't know what to say right now. I don't know what to say. And I've also been Jordy in this situation too, when I've been in distress in some way and maybe don't have the right people to reach out to, but I just reach out to whoever I can mm-hmm. because I need to reach out to somebody. It's better mm-hmm. than nobody, right? Mm-hmm. So okay, they do this, they talk about the Hera and you know, Jordy kind of talks about how he kind of he really regrets like leaving his last mom his last message from his mom kind of on read and like yeah, didn't respond and stuff but they they don't get to it too much because then they i think believe they jump into um the probe attempt to recover bodies mm-hmm. and now jordy is back on the ramon in in the vr suit and we know everybody's dead aboard the ship and he's you know trying to reconfigure something and then jordy sees his mom standing on the bridge and he's like, is it really you? Wh- what are you doing here? And this is already suspicious AF to me because we knew she was on the Hera, on the Hera, which is missing. Everybody on the Ramon is dead and she's not. And she's saying things like, it's me, mom. And I'm like, nope, mm-hmm. nope, 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 nope. Something, actually, something super wrong here. It's actually extremely creepy. And they did a great job. Super creepy. In not making it creepy because they could have, they could have lowered the lights. They could have added creepy music. Like th- mm-hmm. it was already so unsettling that it would have just taken the littlest bit of effort to turn this episode into a horror. And they didn't do that. Yes, they, they didn't. Just left it, they left it a mystery, which I yeah. appreciate because this would have been one of those ones that gives me nightmares, right? That your loved ones come back as ghosts on shit Ugh. that haunt you and like, no. Um, but that's not what happened. So so she's just like, yeah, it's me. And it's very like the way she's talking is weird. And the people in the lab can only hear Jordy's side of things. But he's just like asking his mom all these questions. And the mom says, you have to go down to the surface. And he's like, oh, we have to go to the surface. What's going on? You're dying. Oh, no. So Jordy reaches out to touch her because, you know, this is his mom who he thought was missing. And as soon as her his skin, you know, or the probe contacts his mom's shoulder there's a big zap and Jordy starts kind of seizing mm-hmm. and then passes out. And you're like, oh my gosh. It was yes. like, this is, I don't know, this is maybe our 15th electricity related day <laughs> visits. And every maybe time let's all just stay away. Maybe let's just all stay away from electricity going forward because it doesn't really end well for Anybody. the enterprise most of the time. Yeah. yeah. And mom is like, there's no time. We need to get down there. And I'm like, okay, no. And the whole time, you know, Jordy is speaking to his mom, but he's also speaking aloud the same mm-hmm. words in the lab. Right. And so Beverly's like, LaForge, who are you talking to? Like who? Cause he's just in the lab going, it's you. You're here. How? 
what do you need? And they're like, okay, stop everything. Like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. So Jordy's saying, mom report, says, report. What are you yeah, saying? What's going yeah. on? Where, mom is happening? saying, we're dying. We need you. I need you. And that's when he goes to grab her arms and he gets zapped by her. And then boom, like, thank God where, you know, we've jumped ahead like 15 minutes. No permanent damage to Jordy's brain. But like, Beverly's like, I can't have him going through this again. Like mm-hmm. that, he, he almost died. So Jordy, and I think this is sort of the perfect situation for him to come to this conclusion. He believes that the Hera is on the surface of the planet and is somehow communicating to Jordy through the Ramon. Mm-hmm. And I was like, really, buddy? Really? You because think, obviously she wasn't there. It was some kind of projection from her ship on the surface, obviously. Yeah, and I'm and like, you're like mm, really? how would she even right. know you were in the interface? Right. Thank you. Yeah. And she's also like hundreds of light years away. Like suddenly she's on this ship where everybody else is dead, but it's okay. So at first, I, girl, I, can I just go on a rant for a minute? Because at first, <laughs> I was like, "Really, Jordy? This is the story you've constructed." But I know it's a lot of a desperation, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Ex- and, but then I remembered, we're talking to a man who served on a ship who has flown millions of light years by thinking it so. Okay, <laughs> they had the travel to think it so. They had its chief security officer killed by some sentient, embittered. Metamucil. Mm-hmm. They've successfully stopped a Starfleet coup to some mind-controlling worms. Okay. Mm-hmm. They've spot they fought space wizards. They mm-hmm. they're about to have its crew devolve into fucking proto-humans. Yep. They've rescued a dude trapped in the holding powder of a transporter for 79 years. Shout out to Scotty on that one. And they've, a secondary Riker. Thank you. They've gone back in time to battle some battle that wasn't even theirs, but then mm-hmm. in the process ended up rewriting the history of the Metamucil murdered security chief. They've <laughs> been blown up for 17 effing days on a repeated time loop. Talk about going missing. They've had an aged, <laughs> decrepit Benjamin Button himself to death. <laughs> death. Okay. <laughs> They've been trapped in a 1920s slash 90s casino. They've been adopted and assimilated by half cyborg species. Okay. Is already in that casino? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but I'm just thinking like the experience. Yeah, everything the they've had. The yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been repeatedly fucked with by an omnipotent man child. Yeah. They've been to the people's court against a woman parading as the <laughs> devil. Okay. <laughs> they've battled twins of themselves. They've gone back in time to San Francisco to stop soul sucking aliens from abducting ancient humans. Mm-hmm. Worst of all, when all else failed, Sharice. And certain death was upon them. A 15-year-old kid saved them. Like, dozens over of times. Over and over and over this again. It's like hedonism. It's just, the list, it's just, it's a free-for-all. <laughs> so to be honest, this really isn't the craziest theory that I've ever heard of on Star Trek. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> we also had a giant space worm suckle the bridge, like yep. suckle the ship. I mean, yep. we've had. We've had silkworms in the transporters. Mm-hmm. We have had that. We've had, we've had a sentient we've had transporter holodeck. Where you turn into a twelve-year-old. <laughs> a sentient holodeck character take over the entire ship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've kind of had it all. So you're right. Saying that his mom is alive on a ship on the surface and projecting through his implants is actually one of the more reasonable things. <laughs> it is, and he even has a theory for it. We find him in the observation lounge and he's like, "Check it out. Here's what happened." Okay, <laughs> and he busts out all this stuff about I don't even know what wormholes and whatever the heck, but somehow the hair that was 300,000 years light years away snagged some rip in time that happens to empty out exactly on the surface of this planet that they happen to be on top of. And you're like, could happen. Okay, so here's the deal. And I think that Jordy, I was like, again, after thinking about like all the nonsense that the Enterprise and its crew members have been through, 
the Hera passed by the same exact gas giant some number of days, like 10 days ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And might have picked up some sort of like trace resonance signature, something, something technology. Mm-hmm. And then when that trace resonance was like activated, it basically snapped the Hera back to mm-hmm. where that trace signature right. had originated from, which was that gas giant. So it's like, you know what? Okay. It sounds ridiculous, but I could totally see the Enterprise experiencing something like that. I mean, yeah, because like city monsters take over their uh, people. They, they, they've it, come on. I don't even get on the scale. on the cellé, okay? On a scale of zero to pig people on a planet, this yeah. one's like a solid two. Like this could happen. <laughs> yeah, it, it could. <laughs> this could it happen. It could. Did it? Ha- like, how likely is it? Not very likely. No. And I actually love this conversation that happens between like the bridge crew, where yeah, where yeah. Picard's like, "How likely is that, you know is that possible?" And Data's like, "Yeah, yeah, it's possible." And then he goes, "How possible?" And he goes, "It's almost impossible." <laughs> I know. Love that Data comes to the rescue though. He wasn't going to offer that it's almost impossible until you asked him for further clarification. Yes, it was going to stick mm, with. It could just, happen. It. He just wasn't volunteering that information but yeah for the most part i think the team is just a really good friend and wants to hear him out and i love picard and beverly for trying to keep it straight with him they're like look i'm not saying that your mom was really communicating with you i'm just giving you a reason to believe why you feel that way okay and i was just like oh you know and jordy's not hearing them he's like look my mom is in danger she needs me she said she needs me we've got to do something he's not listening to anyone this is his full-on delusional grief mode yes not even willing to listen to any kind of logic he's just like she's i mean he's just seen the mom he thought was missing so of course he's just like snap that was and i mean wouldn't you yeah absolutely absolutely i wouldn't even be talking right now i'd be in that freaking like interface being like all right mom how do we get you out like i wouldn't even be doing all of this that he's doing to try to communicate with the others i wouldn't be like stop let me go and have a like a confab with the senior team Yeah. yeah i'd be like i can wizard my way out of anything um except finding like making a woman fall in love with me but whatever (laughs) but like beverly was like look you almost died like we're not putting you back into that thing and jordy is super pissed but picard tells data he actually like hits a chair on his way out i know he's like damn it yeah he's he's i've never seen jordy have a tantrum he's 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 starfleet angry he's not angry enough to cause damage but he is angry enough to like smack a chair on the way out kind of harmlessly yeah but picard does tell data like try to have a rescue plan in two hours, because we we are going to listen to Jordy, right? Like, he's gotten us into out of a whole bunch of pickles. So, like, okay. But even for Jordy, he's like, two hours! Ugh, it's like, okay, Jordy, but, like, h- how long do you think it takes to put together a rescue mission, though? It's going to be a minute. Picard does say, too, I really want you to talk to Counselor Troy. And, of course, he's not into that either, but he does go and see Troy. Oh, yeah, and Picard's love- like, that's an order. Yeah, Dismissed. you're doing it. He's you're like, doing that. that. Fine. Fine. Yeah. So Jordy does go to Troy and Troy is like, tell me about your mom. And I love this scene because Jordy goes, I'm on to you. You're not going to make me talk about my mom. Okay. So she sent me an email like three weeks ago. Like he's immediately <laughs> talked about her mom. So we do. Get- I, did you notice how Jordy was on the literal opposite side of Troy's office? I didn't even know her office was like that angry big. pacing. He was just, yeah. yeah, he was angry pacing, but he was also as far as, so there's so many interesting studies of body language that I am fascinated by because I feel like I'm data and I'm always interested in how humans work. And if you look at people's feet, you can tell their intentions. Like if their feet are pointed away from you, they're not really into what you're saying. They kind of are looking for something better to do. If their feet are pointed towards you, they're like super into it. Interesting. If if their bodies, you know, are within a certain distance from you, they're like more engaged in what you're saying. If they're a different distance, then they're kind of like disconnecting. If their arms are crossed, then that is a defensive pose of like back off, you know, or in my case, they're cold. 
but it yeah. could be, <laughs> You're you know, like, cold. right. But it could be like, you know, back off, don't go there. Like if, if you broach an uncomfortable subject and people don't want to, somebody doesn't want to talk about, it, they'll often cross their arms or cross their legs. And that's a subconscious, like closing themselves off physically to close themselves off emotionally. And anyways, this body language of being literally on the other side of the room, like he's against the wall from where Troy is sitting. This is how much he does not want to talk about anything going on with him. And I have to say, nice touch directors like for this scene that was really well done yeah um, Robert Weimer of, did a fantastic job yeah his body language of pacing he wasn't looking at Troy he wasn't facing Troy he was agitated he's like looking at his fingers like everything about his body was saying I'm not gonna do this yeah yeah no it's he, you're absolutely right I didn't even think of that but now that you said it, it's like oh you're totally right and he does open up to her he's like the last time I saw her was about seven months ago and I feel so guilty I didn't see her when I had the chance that you know, Troy is on fire. She's like, you feel a tremendous amount of guilt that you didn't see your mom when you had the chance. You're unwilling to consider that she's dead and your need for her to be alive is so strong. It manifested itself into this image that you're seeing. And I was like, wow, Troy. I mean, this is kind of like what we had. We as the audience sort of see this and know this because they made it clear for us you know, through the episode, but she is so spot on with her analysis. And she I got to say, and she takes it further too. Sorry, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, you know, TNG, Rodden, Gene Roddenberry's dream was that in TNG, none of the characters have any conflict with each other. Like they're very far from actually being human for the mm -hmm. most part. Like everybody's perfect. There's no flaws. Deep Space Nine was a big paradigm shift because this is the first time you see like truly flawed individuals working in a, a flawed system and mm -hmm. like some really questionable things are happening. And there's a reason why a lot of people are like, I can't stand DS9 and reason why a lot of people love it because it's mm -hmm. just very, very different, right? Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, Counselor Troy is the closest thing to like a human character on the show. She is intimately in touch with like sadness and depression and stuff that like no other cast member even gets close to touching because everything is great all the time with them mm -hmm. right and she's like no we have this whole wheel of emotions that we're born with and we should be able to access them all and my appreciation for her like went through the roof in this episode i mean yeah. she was already kicking a lot of butt like season five and six but wow i was like go and girl. this might even be the only time she is in this episode and it's amazing mm -hmm. she God, um she's good yeah she takes it further because he he Jordy says, like, why would I invent all of this? Why would I invent some crazy story where, where my mom's trapped on the surface? If this was a fantasy, mm -hmm. wouldn't I picture her, like, alive and well and happy-go-lucky somewhere on her ship? And Troy says, actually, no. She says, the more involved and complicating and unending your story is, the longer you can believe that your mother's still alive. Yeah. And I thought that that was just a perfect description of denial when it comes to this kind of mm -hmm. loss. Um, and it reminded me of... Uh, a, sh a crime drama show that I love where this guy's like mentor died and they used to always play um, he was actually brutally murdered because it's a crime drama of course but they like wrote this guy off the show and then they brutally murdered him seasons later but the guy who was his his mentee they used to always play chess together and so after he found out that his mentor had died he kept playing their last chess game like he kept he took yeah. the chess board with him everywhere yeah. and he, like kept playing both sides but he's a genius so he could play in such a way where it's always a stalemate and they had been showing him playing this game for, like, several episodes. Mm. And one of the characters was just, which in, in TV time was, like, months and months and months. So yeah, yeah. The characters was just, like, you know, playing that game is not going to bring him back. And you have yeah. to kind of, like, let him go. And letting him yeah. go was him putting down the chessboard. Like, stop yeah. playing. 
Um, and it's exactly like what Troy's saying here. It's like, no, if you if you have something that's unending, mm-hmm. then you can at least hold on to something to say this is still going. Some part of this is still yes. Going. There's uh, you hear a lot of stories, you know, usually like books and things like that, where like a a beloved person dies and their loved ones like refuse to change their bedrooms around or anything. They've left Mm -hmm. it exactly how it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It becomes a shrine. Yeah. Now this is where storms off because this is not acceptable for him to hear. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, as he's trying to, he's trying to make this like crazy plot work in his mind of like this subspace funnel with some accidental distortion that the Hera passed by and now it's trapped. So he's over here trying to make it work. And Riker comes by to kind of talk to Jordy and open up about his own mother's death, which you talked about. Mm -hmm. And Riker, you know, Riker's like, it took me years to finally accept that she was dead. And I kept thinking she was going to come back. And Jordy's like, are you fucking serious with this right now? Like my mother is dying and needs me right now. Mm -hmm. And you're stopping me from helping her. And you have the nerve to come down here and give me the whole, my mom's death was hard to speech. Like get out of here. And like, he just can't sit there and do nothing. So of course, because Picard was like, you are ordered not to, connect with the interface Mm -hmm. he sneaks into the lab and goes to help her now i gotta say this is one of the most beautiful friendship moments i've ever seen i was super emotional watching this data was waiting for him in the lab and he's like i know you so well i knew like yeah i knew you would come well data walks in right before jordy goes like plugs himself in pushes the last Mm -hmm. button he's wearing the Mm -hmm. mocap suit he's like in the middle he's like frantically going from panel to panel and he's about to hit enter and yeah. then the doors open and data comes in and you're just like busted. Yeah. But yeah, data yeah. is just like, I, he says it in a data way, but basically I knew you so well. I knew this is exactly what you were to do. I knew this yeah. is exactly where you come. Obviously. And data's the only one there. No one else knew he would do this. Everyone else thought he yeah. would follow orders. <laughs> data's like, ah, yeah, I yeah. knew you'd be right here right now. Yes. Which is amazing. Yeah. And, and data does say like, what you're doing is dangerous. You almost died. Beverly doesn't want you to do this anymore. You're, you're in like heightened danger. Um, I could have you confined to quarters. And Jordy just makes this like impassioned speech about like how he can't just sit there and do nothing. His mom needs him. He has to help her. Mm-hmm. Um, and Data is just so much more than just an android here. Like, I love it so much. Like, he helps Jordy. And he says, well, you actually have to, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, like, you kind of have to break the rules for me to confine you to quarters. Like, I can't confine for you to quarters. me to say just... you broke the rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I so can't punish they... you for not breaking the rules. Well, yeah, you know, one thing wanting that's... to, yeah. One thing that's, that's interesting is Jordy does say like, I can't live, I can't live with myself knowing that I could have done something and I didn't. And I just left yes. my mom to die. And for me that, I feel like he should have said that in the, in the observation lounge, because for me, that does it. I'm like, go for it. Go. Yeah. Like you need to, you need to like, if I, yeah. like I couldn't also, live with myself. Also you, it's your life and your body. And I don't want you to hurt yourself, but like you also are in charge of your own body. And if you are willingly taking a risk that could end in a fatality of your own, that's your decision to do that. Sort of, but not really. Not when you're in the military. You don't you don't no. have as much agency over But they're explorers, <laughs> aren't they? Yeah. So like sort of, but not real. Like he's not a civilian. <laughs> he doesn't have the right no. to put his life in danger on a whim. However, yeah. if I were in his position, I would have done the same thing. Totally. If I was in Picard's position, I would have done the same thing. I would have told him, no, absolutely not. If I was Beverly, I would have said, no, absolutely not. If I was Jordy, I would have been like, absolutely, I'm doing this. I don't care. Right. So it's like everybody's making their decisions this episode. And I think everyone's decisions completely align with the character of who they are. Yeah. So yeah, it totally to helps. But he says, I do have one request. Please at least consider the possibility that what you see isn't real. 
Mm-hmm. And Jordy says, I will. I agree. So mm-hmm. I thought that okay. was reasonable. Yeah. So interface is established. Jordy goes looking for his mom. She immediately appears. She tells him Which about the warp helpful. funnel. Yeah. She she tells him about the warp funnel immediately. And I was like, this is suspicious. In the most scammy way, right? It's like, yeah. we were trapped in a warp. It's like exactly what you just said. Like and exactly the, the way you said word. it. With yeah, so no like, additional um, information. Okay, Come something, on. something is so weird here. Data locates where the signal is coming from while Jordy is talking to his mom through, talking his mom through the whole plan. Mom's not acting right. Jordy's like, I can't wait to tell dad. And mom goes, we are going home. And I was like, oh, fuck. Get out of there, Jordy. I know. And so creepy, right? Yes. And the inter- thank God they didn't make like the lights flash and yes. stuff. Because that would have yeah. been like, nope, nope, nope. I'm out. So interference makes Jordy lose the connection. So jo- he tells Jordy, um, Jordy tells Data to turn up. Boost up the, the game. Yeah, the to 100%, yeah. which could kill him. And Data is like, I don't I don't like this, but he does. He goes to 100. And Jordy's talking to mom and he's like, I'm so sorry I didn't get back to you three weeks ago. It won't happen again. And the interference continues to mess with things, right? So because now he's bringing the Ramon down to the surface, which is what mom is saying. Like, you need to come down to the surface with the Ramon. Even though gas giants don't have like a real surface, they just have more of like a densely compacted gas. Yeah, I didn't understand that at all. I was like, they're in a gas giant. What is she talking about? How is how is the hair on the surface? How are they bringing it down to the well, surface? I thought they I'll, just went into the gas giant to scoop out a little bit of the gas to study it. Like that's probably what that's doing. probably what it is. Gas giant, yes, they are gas. Like I've had my students ask me this: like, can you fly all the way through the center, kind of like you could? Yeah, like you smoke know, like you could, or whatever, like yeah, smoke or like fog. You you can with the caveat, and I'm no expert on this. So if you know more about this info at the tngpodcast.com, please. I love to nerd out about this stuff. The pressure, it's just more densely compacted gas. Okay. So you could still fly through it. However, the pressure keeping that gas in a sphere shape and dense like that is so intense, it would just crush, it would crush mm-hmm. the ship that you're in. So, so you could the potentially land on it. Um, there's still no definitive surface you know like if you drive into a fog bank you could be like oh the fog starts kind of like right past that street yeah no i get that i get that but you can't yeah you can't an area of high uh, area of high pressure though is something you could physically touch from an area of low pressure like that's what a tornado is yes yes even though even though like you you can you can go through it but yes you can like get you can basically approach the surface Hmm. and like kind of get like closest to that that's interesting i was picturing okay i think they shouldn't i think they shouldn't say gas giant i think they should pick other planetary planetary bodies (laughs) something else right but now so at this point you know the interference because they're getting close to the surface with the raman um the interference is getting higher and higher and data's like we're already at 100 percent um, power with the interface suit like i can't go any higher and jordy's like yeah you can and he was like i won't do that and he does tell jordy like jordy you're putting me in a very difficult position this is the closest that data will get to being like dude this is messed up mm-hmm. like if something happens to you i can't live with myself but jordy again is like there are 300 people down there like if i have to lose my life to save 300 people one of whom is my mother I will. And Data being a friend, like, does it. And I was like, <laughs> like, just ugly crying watching this whole thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And of course, by now, Picard and everybody else knows that the Ramon is like moving to the surface. And in, in about two like, seconds, they're like, it's Jordy. 
They're yeah, like, they're like, obviously. <laughs> Let's all go to the lab. It's Jordy. Who else? Yeah. Can be? There's no one else. There's no one else. Yeah. And Picard is like, you're going to kill yourself. Damn it. Right. It's like that kind of like, don't go any further. Right. And Jordy's like, if I stop now, 300 people die. I can't stop. Right. So it gets really And intense. because the tolerance is boosted on the, um, on the interface, like over a hundred percent, the way it's configured they can't just cut him off cold turkey like they did before. They have nope. to lower it back down to a safe level and then unplug him. So Beverly's yes. like, I can't just unplug him. We can't just make him, we can't force him to stop. He has to choose to like stop doing what he's doing so we can bring it back down to safe levels. So it's now everybody's of, between a rock and a hard place. Totally. Although, you know, I love the analogy that they use, like um, a decompression chamber. Like if divers go too deep for too long and nitrogen bubbles form, you can get the bends, which is disorienting. And then people, when they're disoriented underwater, can sometimes swim deeper instead of closer to the surface, right? Because they don't know mm-hmm. which way they're going. And then yeah. the, the problem compounds. And then most of the time they end up dying. And so, yeah, it's like we got to decompress. So when they do pull divers out like that, you can't deal with the sudden depressurization. And so they put you in a pressurized chamber to mimic what the pressure was like where you were. And then they very, very slowly kind of bring you back up to mm-hmm. the surface pressure. So they're like, we could decompression chamber him. It's like, love this. Absolutely love this. So Jordy at this point is like scanning for the ship because he's aboard the Ramon, you know, on the probe, scanning for the ship and finds nothing. And mom is like, well, well, there must be too much interference. And he's like, no, like at this point, like I should be picking up something like anything. And I'm not seeing anything. There's out not there. even any metal on this gas giant. So yeah, there's it's no like, way there's a ship with 300 people big enough to hold yeah, people sitting here. Like what? And, so, and at that moment, weren't you just like, get away, get away, Jordy. Turn yeah, around, Jordy, get away. Right. Because he's all like, beep, boop, 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 like in problem solving mode. Yes. And, mom and his back up is turned him. to mom too, which uh-uh. I don't like. Mm-mm. Don't ever do that. Don't ever do that. Mom sneaks up behind him and puts her hands near his temples and zaps his brain with her hands. And I just wrote, oh my God. And so Jordy goes into neural shock. Okay, so here's what happens terrifying. in this scene. In this Ugh. scene when she zaps him, I paused it. To write down, like, Jordy's mom zapped him in the head or something like that. Don't turn your back. Yeah. I don't know what I, I don't even know what I, I'm looking at my notes. I don't even know what I wrote. But what I do remember was when I paused it at that moment and I looked at the screen, every single fingertip of hers had a lightning, you know, like, yellow beam coming from it. It was, was scary, beautiful and gorgeous, like, special effects. Yes. They, somebody yeah. went through and made sure every, even her pinky, every single finger had a beam of light. That, that came so off of the cool. finger. The fingers were brighter just on the tips, but regular colored below. It hit a sif- different point on his head. I was like, this is like somebody had to zoom in and sit pixel beautiful. by pixel and do this. Yeah, beautiful. And it's for like, I don't know, three seconds that it's yeah. on screen. But it's very beautifully done and it's very believable and it's super terrifying. And you're just like, Jordy, no. dude, like, why'd you turn your back? But of course, it's his mom. Why wouldn't he turn? Why, why would that yeah, be dangerous? Why wouldn't he? But we're seeing it and you're just like, run. Get out of there behind right. you. Right. Behind you. She's behind you. Don't run into the don't run into the basement with all the knives in it. Like, yeah, it's just a very scary moment. And so he goes into he goes into neural shock. And from the lab, when he's in the VR suit, Jordy says, reverse tractor beam. And so they reverse the tractor beam, which like kind of breaks the connection with mom. And I thought, holy crap. What a hell of an actor that LeVar Burton is, because here is a man who is pretending to be in tremendous amounts of pain Mm -hmm. and neural shock and electricity and doubt and regret. Like he has really run the gamut of like all these horrible Mm -hmm. things that could be happening to him, like physically and emotionally. Mm -hmm. And every moment of it is so believable. Had this episode been written and shot in season one, we would have been like, what the F? (laughs) 
but like, I mean, I was feeling that way going into this episode, but yeah. I was like, wow, this is what the beauty of season seven is, where the mm-hmm. characters are flushed out. LeVar Burton, somebody give that man an Emmy for that scene alone. So that manages to like break the zap. And then instantly mom disappears and then reappears as a plume of fire. I was like, okay, all right, we're getting out of here. Get me out of here. Like something has gone terribly, terribly wrong. So uh, again, they made the really wise choice of turning this whole thing into a mystery. And we just get more and more confused about what's going on as opposed to being terrified, which they could have easily done at, at this moment as well. So now she's fire, and then she goes back to being mom, and Jordy's just looking at her and says, what are you? And you're like, oh my gosh. So he knows the game's up, but, and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't run, he doesn't fight. He's just like, he holds his ground, what are you? And mom says, you're killing us. We must go down. That did not answer my question. That didn't answer my question. I said, what are you or who are you? And you're telling me you're, no, no, no. So Jordy manages to get through to Picard with in the VR suit and tells him what he now knows. These are subspace creatures native to the gas giant's lower atmosphere that became trapped when the Raman entered. And then when the Raman left the atmosphere, those creatures started dying because they can't live in the upper atmosphere. They, they didn't know how to get out of the ship and they didn't yeah. know how to turn the ship back around because yep. they're not ship faring people. No, they're just subspace little balls fire of light or whatever. Balls. Yeah, they're yeah. fireballs. And so they attempted to communicate with the crew members of the Raman, but they inadvertently killed them because it led to synaptic overload and they died. But they were able to successfully read LaForge's mind via his interface with the probe. And I just wrote... Because they connected with the probe and not directly with his brain. Yes. But here in my notes, I wrote, now how is this any more believable than Jordy's previous theory of like a warp funnel? They both are like, really? This Well, is- what's more believable you know, is that these creatures live here and caused all this damage. That's more believable than mom yeah. was 300 light years away and suddenly found herself here and is yeah, communicating yeah. to you from the surface, through your visor, through the interface, into this other ship yeah. and all this other stuff. Yeah, so, no. that, it's too much it's stuff. Equally possible that that could have been a storyline, but I think it's that, like, we've seen We've seen subspace aliens. You remember the 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 subspace string, the galactic mm-hmm. string, right? Yes. We've yeah. seen we've seen subspace aliens before that are unusual. So mm-hmm. I think that's a part that makes it like okay, that's believable that she was like flame and and communicates with people's brains. Okay. Yeah. But the fact that she took the shape of his mom was what threw everything off and made it weird. And the fact that she could read his mind and say, "Yeah, he came through the funnel" or whatever. The fact that she was acting very strange, like all of that to like gain his confidence so that he would do what she wanted and take them down when she could have just showed up as a fire beam being in the first place. That's what makes it kind of like, what? Why'd you do all that? Remember that episode with the traveler where once thoughts started shaping the reality, the first thing that Picard saw was his mother sitting down mm, to have tea. That's like true. the mother imagery is very, very strong in all of us. And it, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say it often doesn't even matter what our relationships are with our mothers in reality. The idea of the mother is so powerful in every single culture that that is really strong imagery. And it was a good call on the subspace creature's behalf because it did immediately get Jordy to trust her and be like, mm-hmm. sure, whatever you need. If it was just anybody else, he'd be like, I don't know what this is. Now, but like... You know, I think you're right. And I think we we discovered that this being was reading his mind. So obviously mm-hmm. the biggest thing on his mind was mom at the was time mom. when yeah. when he went. Because the first time, the first few times he went in, there was no mom, right? Because he was just doing, there was a lot of fire though. So the fire beings might've been in all that fire, but there yeah. was no mom. 
you know what? And actually, now I'm thinking about it, that's maybe that's exactly what they were trying to do when he saw the seven people and the flame came out of nowhere and he started mm-hmm. screaming. Maybe mm-hmm. that was the fire being, you know, trying to communicate through yeah. their natural form or whatever. Um, but when he went in that other time, the his mom was on his mind, and that's when mom showed up. Mm-hmm. And you're right because that- he didn't he didn't know when the fire first burned him. Burned him. Like I don't think he did. He oh no he no, didn't know he didn't know. No, no, he he did because remember his hands were burned and Beverly was like, "You're going to need some time to heal." And he's like, "Well, there's something I need to do anyway." So that's when he goes and calls mm. dad and says, "Hey." But yeah, at the beginning, you're right. Like at the beginning, he didn't know anything about his mom. His mom was not on his mind, and so we never saw anything like that. N- but now at this point, he's like, "Okay, you're not my mom. However, you are energy beings that are trapped, and I'm going to do whatever I can to release you." And so he manages to get the Ramon. Close enough to that low, he go in low enough into the atmosphere that they can release themselves from the ship. And mom says, We're safe now, and disappears into a blazing fire. And I just thought, remember with John Q, he like turned into a ball of light and flew away. I was like, yeah. What? You couldn't do something like that, like a swirling fire tornado, really? Like it just that CGI <laughs> didn't look that great. I was like, We could have done without the fire. Have her turn into like a ball of light, like John Q, and float away or whatever. Mm-hmm. That would or just cool. dissolve. Or dissolve, yeah, just because this is just a mental picture. Like this whole mom he, figure is just in his mind. Yeah, yeah, but he does he does help them get released, but in the meantime, almost dies himself. Um, he and overloads. by the way, we don't know what happens with this ship, right? They don't ever get it back up to the surface, or we just no. don't, we just don't find out whatever happens to the ship. No, so. no, okay. he he does go into like super overload. Um, but Data and Beverly manage to do the decompression kick to get him back, like right in the nick of time. So while I will say this, this very short scene, while Jordy now knows that this is not his mom, that it is an energy being, and he is just doing like a rescue mission to help them get back to like the lower atmosphere, mm-hmm. he does say to this person he now knows is not his mom, I'm really sorry I didn't respond to your message like I wish I would have. And I think he used the opportunity knowing it was not her, mm-hmm. but it looked like her so that he could substitute it for mom and make his peace. Absolutely. Because when she leaves as a fireball, he says goodbye. Right? Like yeah. goodbye to mom. So he was yeah. able to process and yeah. to, to let go through this fire being. So this fire mm. being ended up being really helpful, yeah. even though he almost died. Um, it actually ended up being really helpful for his process, more so than anything anyone else could have possibly done. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Now, I guess all is well that ends well because it's been a couple of days. Picard calls Jordy to his quarters and absolutely tears him a new one about how he put his life in danger, yada, 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 and he will have to write this in his permanent record. And he says, dismissed. And as Jordy turns to leave, he says, Jordy, I'm very sorry that you didn't find your mother. And Jordy says, when I was down there, it was so real. I felt like I had my chance to say goodbye. And that was really beautiful to me because look at what the scene is. It's Jordy being reprimanded by his superior officer sternly Mm -hmm. and still able to have this tender moment with Picard. This to me is what seven years of work looks like. Mm -hmm. Had this episode been written in season two, it wouldn't have hit this hard. Mm -hmm. And that data Jordy friendship moments where it's like, Jordy, you're putting me in a very difficult situation. I don't want to see you get hurt. It it, it had tenderness and it was exquisite. It was mm-hmm. exquisite. I really, really loved it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I agree. I think it does really show um, how much these characters have grown and how much these characters yeah. have grown together. The fact that Picard can reprimand him strongly and sternly, which he had every right to do. That was appropriate. 
but still be sensitive and empathetic to what Jordy's going through. And that Jordy's taking it well of like, yeah, I did. I screwed up. I screwed up. He even tries to take responsibility for Data's hand in it. And Picard's having none of that. He's like, I will speak to Data on his own. Like Data's still going to get in trouble for what Data did because Data is also an adult. But I love that Jordy can stand there and take all of his punishment, which is appropriate, mm-hmm. and still be able to be vulnerable with Picard as well, because there's a trust there. This is the opposite yeah. of Captain Jellico. This yeah. is somebody who you know has your back, and that's yeah. why he's so pissed you didn't listen to him, because he mm-hmm. has your back. Like, he was trying to keep you alive and keep the whole crew safe, and that's his job. Yeah. And he also understands that you would do anything for your mom, and he would too if he was in your mm-hmm. position. So there's just mm-hmm. this give and take of, like, professionalism and trust. That's really beautiful in this scene. You're- I think you're right. You're so right. And if this had been a Captain Jellico thing, he would have ripped Jordy a new one and dismissed him and maybe would have been like, I'm sorry about your mom. And Jordy would have been like, thanks and walked out. They don't have that trust. And you always have that trust with Picard. So what are your final thoughts on this episode? Are they different than your initial thoughts? Yeah, actually, I I still don't love this episode. Um, I still think it's much better than last week's episode mm-hmm. um, because it's like coherent <laughs> and focused. One thing that surprised me about this, this is the thing that's different. I just remember really not liking this episode. Here's the thing that's different. The technology in this episode was so cool. Like, I just, yeah. I love the idea of it. I feel like it was really well thought out. It fit in the world building perfectly to me. Um, I just thought it was, it was really neat and very functional. Mm-hmm. I think that the storyline was so clean. Like, I don't feel like there was any scenes that didn't directly lead to or add to the story that was being told. So I felt like it was a really well-told story. And I think we've seen grief and loss a lot on the show um, because it's a big part of the human experience. And I really, and I enjoyed this telling of it. Like it didn't make me sad at the end. So yeah, I won't say I loved it. Like I'll probably still never watch this episode again, but it was not horrible. Like I had an impression of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could Well, I could see why you probably won't watch it again, because there are so many just spectacularly flawless episodes that if one is like, well, it wasn't that great, but it was better than I thought. You have like a bounty of other episodes to choose from. You would never have to watch this again. My final thoughts were, wow, I absolutely was wrong in my initial thoughts. And it's not a case of mistaken identity. Like I knew what this episode was. I just didn't love it the first time I saw it. I didn't like it at all. So Mm -hmm. I always skipped it. But I think the fire aspect is what makes it a little bit ridiculous to me. Um, And like a little bit of like the mind reading portion where it's like the, you know, the energy beings like read his mind and then take, took the shape of the mom. But really, as far as I can tell, like this episode is actually really, really beautifully done. And I had a few sort of thoughts on this. I mentioned this before, but this is as far as I can tell, the first time we saw this type of sci-fi storyline, like if you die in the simulation, you die in the real world kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Like that was really, really interesting. I thought it was a groundbreaking topic no one had even thought of yet. Um, I could be wrong, though. Like there could be some earlier sci-fi stuff that did this, but they do it in such a clever way with the whole like interface suit, neural shock burns kind of thing to show Mm -hmm. how dangerous the system really is. I was like, these were excellent plot points. One, Mm -hmm. two, again, a giant round of applause to LeVar Burton's physical acting. He was in neural shock a handful of times. He had his brain zapped and he had to play all of those sensations while standing in a circuit suit is like ridiculous, Mm -hmm. you know? And then we also had him like being angry and defiant and grieving and all that. It was just a really, a great time for him to flex his acting chops. Um, And then finally, I thought that the moments between Data and Jordy were absolutely heartbreaking and stand out in my mind as possibly the best performance these two share on screen together. Mm. Where 
you know, we talked with Pip about how Data always says he doesn't have emotions, but he does, you know, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And Data weighing, you know, in his little android brain, he's like weighing the like risks of allowing Jordy to to jump back in the interface suit, to wrench it up to 100, to wrench it past 100. And every time he chose, instead of being an android, he chose to be a friend. Mm, and that's true. he did it. And I was like, God, it, uh, it hits me in the feels really hard. So I probably will watch this episode again. I really, really liked it. I was delighted to be wrong about my initial Oh, that's got to be a great feeling. Like, I hope we're both wrong about so many more episodes in season seven, because I'm not well, looking forward to most of them. So I hope not, that we're like pleasantly surprised like this. We're not going to be wrong about next week. <laughs> Darn it. It's bad. Yeah. <laughs> guys. That- <laughs> Yeah, it is a good feeling, and I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts because, girl, we're going in as <laughs> buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Next week, guys, we are breaking down Season 7, Episode 4, Gambit Part 1. Thank you so much for nerding out with us. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. See you next time.